Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout podcast. Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, um, where I am at the moment. Uh, just uh, a quick apology. I uh, seems to be something in the air here in Tennessee that's really setting my uh, sinuses off. So hopefully I won't be sniffing my way through this, uh, but uh, I apologize if I do. But anyway, on to the business at hand. And obviously, we are looking uh, forward to another weekend of Six Nations action. Obviously, with some of the backdrop being all the drama that's been going on uh, behind the scenes in Wales, and which almost um, scuppered the Wales-England fixture this weekend. But uh, pleased to see that that is going ahead as scheduled. But uh, yeah, lots of drama Um leading up to and surrounding that game. Obviously, the weekend gets off uh, underway with Italy versus Ireland. Um, And then on Sunday, we have what I would argue, uh, when I did the preview of the Six Nations, I think Scotland's biggest game of the tournament, and that is uh, a trip to Paris to face France. But a really critical game for both sides. Uh, Also, Super Rugby uh, returns this weekend, uh, opening weekend of Super Rugby down in the Southern Hemisphere in Australia and New Zealand. And obviously, we look back uh, very quickly to uh, the Toronto Arrows opening game uh, last weekend in the uh, MLR season this year against Rugby Atlanta and look ahead uh, quickly to uh, their game against Rugby uh, New York last year's MLR defending champions. So, yeah, but on to uh, the main business of the weekend, and that is the Six Nations. Um, Italy versus Ireland get us underway in Rome on Saturday morning. Now, a lot of people are predicting uh, Ireland to put Italy to the sword. Um, and while I, 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 I don't have, I really can't argue with seeing anything other than an Ireland win, and at that, a fairly comfortable Irish win. Uh, I'm actually predicting Ireland to win by 12. But, you know, some people are putting score lines on the board of like 25, 30 points. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I may be proved wrong. Uh, I may be, by Ireland by 12, being rather conservative in my estimate. But I think, you know, this is a really good-looking Italian side. They're playing at home in Rome. Um, They certainly, in their opening game of the Six Nations against France, Uh, played in Rome, they certainly did not seem intimidated by playing the number two side in the world. Now, admittedly, Ireland are the number one side in the world, but, you know, they're not uh, not playing with, you know, they don't have Sexton with them. They don't have guys like uh, Tideburn and Tide Furlong. So I don't think Italy are going to be uh, overly intimidated by Ireland. You know, they, they will recognize the magnitude of the challenge ahead of them. But um, I think they are going to be genuinely competitive. Uh, One of the things I think may not go in their favor is the weather forecast is calling it for to be a bit wet in Rome on Saturday morning. Well, actually Saturday afternoon when the game is being played. Um, And given Italy's handling errors, a wet, greasy ball uh, may not be their best friend on Saturday. And that is something I think Ireland will be able to uh, cope with a little bit better. Um, no obvious references to puns or jokes about the fact it's always raining in Ireland, which is, is, as far as I'm concerned, a myth anyway. But, um, 
yeah, I just think Ireland in those conditions are the slightly more composed and polished team. Um, especially if Italy, you know, they've been very, very ambitious, the Six Nations, in, in the two matches they've played. And if I think they try to play with that level of ambition, uh, given the slippery conditions, it, it may <clears throat> it may go a little bit south on them. But yeah, um, interestingly, uh, the lineups for Ireland, uh, Johnny Sexton is still out nursing some injury concerns. So that sees uh, Ross Byrne get rewarded for his good work in the France game, especially when you consider he came on in the 48th minute. Uh, and he put in a really good shift in the 10 jersey. So um, I think, you know, going back to one of the things I've been saying all year in the lead up to the World Cup, is how Ireland need to really develop some depth in the 10 jersey and give players like Byrne, uh, you know, and, and a, you know, a, a group of potential understudies for um, Sexton for the World Cup, some real uh, game time. Um, I would say that uh, this is an excellent opportunity. And to be honest, I would actually kind of like to see Byrne start against um, Scotland. But anyway, we shall see. But uh, yeah, looking at, uh, at at the Italian side, I like that Italian front row, Danilo Fischetti and Ferrari as the two props and uh, Giacomo, Giacomo Nisotera, all of whom I thought have had some really good performances so far. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty impressive looking Irish outfit. You know, Finley Bielham. Uh, really shone in the game against France. Absolutely outstanding performance and and stepping into the shoes of Tide Furlong uh, very, very comfortably, I think. Good to see Ronan Kelleher back at hooker and obviously Andrew Porter needs no introduction. Uh, in the second row, again, I think it's an excellent Italian second row. Niccolo Canoni uh, and one of my fan favorites for Italy, Federico Ruzza. Anybody who's listened to this podcast or read... Uh, the blog knows I'm an absolutely massive fan of Rutsa, and I certainly think the Six Nations um, and some of his performances at Benetton have, have justified uh, that enthusiasm. Um, obviously, there's a shuffle uh, with um, with Ireland in the absence of Tide Byrne, uh, who's out for the rest of the Six Nations, which is a bit of a blow. But, you know, again, that's a good exercise for uh, Ireland in terms of depth development. Uh, Ryan Baird comes into the bench. In many ways, I would have actually liked to see him start, but uh, I can see that they also need to give Ian Henderson some game time. So he comes in uh, for Byrne, James Ryan, who, interesting enough, is also the captain uh, for this game. Uh, he is also in the second row. So, yeah, but that's a pretty pretty competent and capa capable uh second row uh, for Ireland, but it'd be interesting to see how Henderson gets on. Back rows, again, really impressive for Italy. Sebastian Negri was outstanding against England uh, in round two. Michele Lamaro, the captain, and Lorenzo Canone. Uh, Lorenzo Canone particularly has impressed uh, on his debut Six Nations at number eight. Um, but, you know, Caelan Doris uh, moves from uh, number eight uh, to the flanks. And uh, Josh Vanderfleer uh, keeps his position, and Jack Conan starts at eight. Um, so that's an interesting shift in positions. I mean, Doris has been absolutely outstanding, um, but he has been outstanding in the role of number eight. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on on the on the flanks. But uh, yeah, 
um, that's those are two very competitive units um, with obviously a bit of a, a shift in how the chemi chemistry works for Ireland. Uh, in, <clears throat> in the fly halves, um, Italy boosted by the return of uh, Paolo Garbisi, although it's interesting. I'm just looking at uh, the ultimate rugby lineup, line out, uh, lineup for tomorrow's match. That's usually the one I use to... Um, to uh, uh, you know, base these uh, podcasts on in terms of discussing the lineups, but it's interesting they've got um, Paolo Garbisi's brother Alessandro slotted in at number ten. Now I've just been trolling the internet and I can't see anything that that Garbisi has suddenly had a recurrence of his injury that's been a last minute substitution. Um, so I am going with it is going to be Garbisi and not his brother Alessandro at ten. Uh, and Stephen Varney. Stephen Varney, I think, um, you know, has struggled at times in the Six Nations, but also looked really good. So I think it's what uh, what are we going to get from him? And he certainly combines very well with Paolo Garbisi. And obviously the big talking point, if it is Paolo Garbisi, you know, Italy all of a sudden have a real threat. Um, so, you know, and then... It, Ireland will need to, to, to manage him and uh, contain him because he is a total live wire. Uh, for Ireland, Craig Casey gets the start and Ross Byrne at fly half. Um, I've already liked, I already talked about uh, how I've, I've liked Ross Byrne. Um, and I think this is an excellent opportunity for him along with Casey as well. Um, so yeah, nothing really more to say there. And then out wide, or let's talk about the centers first, Tom, Tommaso Menoncello and Juan Inacio Brex for Italy. That's a really solid pairing, I think. Uh, Brex in particular has really impressed. Um, he's basically silenced a lot of his critics, the Six Nations. Stuart McCloskey and Bundy Aki. Um, interesting, interesting call with, with Aki, obviously with Henshaw still um out injured um and gary ring ring rose excuse me gary ring rose uh getting a bit of a break um so yeah and no real replacements um for them either um so yeah it'd be interesting to see how that goes i i'm not 100 convinced that uh that's the best pairing. I like McCloskey. I've been really impressed by him. He's quite an imaginative center. I still don't see Aki uh, as much in that role. As I still see him a little bit more as the physical bash it up the middle kind of guy. Um, and as a result, potential, a potential penalty machine. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, but out wide, looks good for Italy. Pierre Bruno uh, and Eduardo Padovani. And obviously... Uh, Ange Capuozzo. I seem to manage to get his name right the last week. Last time I did this podcast, I'm struggling again this week. Sorry, Mark, at two cents. Capuozzo. But yeah, that's an electric back three um, with a very solid back three for uh, Ireland, equally electric. James Lowe, Mac Hansen, and Hugo Keenan, who has just been imperious under the high ball. Uh, he is rapidly developing into one of Ireland's players of the tournament. Um, very, very impressive. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I've been a fan of him since he's, he debuted for Ireland. And quite frankly, uh, he's going he's gonna to get his name into the role of honor books for Ireland, I think, in the coming years. Really, really impressive player. But yeah, um, bench-wise, I think for Italy, things start to look a little bit slim. 
uh, whereas it's a pretty terrifying bench for Ireland. You got Dan Sheehan, Dave Kilcoyne, Tom O'Toole, Ryan Baird, Peter Omani, Connor Murray, Jack Crowley. Uh, interesting to see Jack Crowley get some time uh, in in the fly half position. I'd be interesting how long they you know when they bring him on and Jimmy O'Brien, um, who I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, interesting to see where they put him, whether they put him uh, at center or in the back three. But yeah, he is very, very impressive, very electric player. So that's a killer bench for uh, Ireland. I guess my only disappointment, especially given his form with Ulster, uh, no place for Gavin Coombs in the back row, either on the bench or in the starting 15. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, but like I say, I think it will be an entertaining game, whichever way you cut it. Ireland probably to win it in the end comfortably, but not a complete annihilation and, and cricket score that some people are predicting. Next up, we have the big one, Wales, England. Now, there's been all kinds of uh, backroom drama going on in the last two weeks. Uh, excuse me. You know, was the game going to go ahead? Was it not? Were the players going to go on strike? Um, all the shenanigans going on with the Welsh Rugby Union allegations of it being poorly managed which is true uh but then also wrestling with the fact that there's only a finite amount of resources and money in wales um, and can it really support four clubs that's debatable um at the risk of um uh you know getting the ire up of welsh supporters i personally think that you know wales to be really competitive on the international stage can perhaps in its present state only realistically field to two provincial sides uh, a bit like scotland and maybe in the interim that's where they need to go but uh, it seems that they're not they're going to stick with the four sides um, obviously at a reduced budget but uh yeah you know i think though the way it's been managed in the last 10 years to the fact that it's got to this point and the dilly dallying has not been good um well it, it'll be interesting to see uh, the long-term ramifications of whatever deal has been worked out um anyway enough of that i think either way um i think the players are going to be very very motivated this saturday uh, obviously for them and the welsh public you know the wales england game every year is a huge one in the psyche uh you know I thought even with potential strike action, there was no way this game was not going to get played. Um, there's just, it's just one of those big traditional things. And I think there's going to be a lot of emotion behind it. It's going to be a packed uh, Principality Stadium. The fans will, uh, I am sure, 110% get behind their team. Um, and it's going to make it very difficult for, for England. The Welsh will be fired up, I think, for two reasons. One is is the magnitude of this match in the Welsh psyche, in Welsh rugby psyche. And secondly, I think it's almost a, an opportunity for them to kind of flip the finger at management and say, you know what, uh, we are really good. We can take the English on. And then they could end up putting in an emotional performance of the ages. But we'll see. But by the same token, all the emotion and uncertainty surrounding this match and, and the background to it could also trip Wales up. And on that note, they've named an interesting squad to get the job done. 
Um, it's like I've said, I, I personally think that Warren Gatland is perhaps a bit out of his depth with Wales this time around. As well as his own coaching star kind of kind of dipped in recent times. But uh, he's definitely picked an interesting side for this match. Um, you know, the, the front row looks pretty good. Gareth Thomas, Ken Owens, Thomas Francis. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of uh, some of Gatlin's traditional stalwarts. Uh, England, you know, and again, I think for, for England, this is a critical game as well. Uh, you know, the, they, they're still hurting from that opening loss to Scotland. <coughs> Excuse me. They, they, they won against Italy, but there were some alarm bells in that, that Italy game, particularly uh, defensively. Uh, you know, England's missed tackle count was not good. Uh, that needs some genuine work. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, it's a pretty good uh, English front row. Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Kyle Sinclair, though I still have my reservations about Sinclair as a penalty machine. Um, in the second row, it's interesting. Like, I think after sort of kind of establishing himself finally in the Welsh scene, Adam Beard, he seems to have gone backwards again. And then Alan Wynne-Jones, you know, obviously the talisman, but starting to show his age a bit. Um, but then by the same token for England, uh, I am sorry. I have not seen anything from Mero Atoje that's really impressed me. I thought Ollie Ches Chesham though is the business, but I would have liked to see David Ribbons in that English second row. For me, Mero Atoje has really lost a lot of his shine. Um, you know, as, as I, I saw in, in some of the, some of the articles I read leading up to this game is when, one guy in the comments section pointed out and said, you know, basically Atoje's only role seems to be shouting um, and celebrating English turnovers, but not actually adding that much to the process himself. Uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, I know Mero Atoje's a big fan of the NFL. Maybe he's been watching too much NFL and I don't know. Anyway, and not the jury's out for me on him. Uh, he, I, we need to see a big performance from him uh, for me and many others to, to revise our opinions of them. Uh, in the back row, I got to admit, I'm very happy to see Christ Junza get rewarded for that second half performance um, in the second round against Ireland. I thought he was one of the few players who kind of got st stood up and got counted. Um, Justin Tipperick is back, and let's face it, we need a big, big game from Tipperick. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of the Welsh Superman, but he's been strangely quiet despite some uh, positive form at Ospreys uh, in the Heineken Cup. But yeah, we need a big, big performance from him and number eight, Talupe Falatau. So both those guys, Tipperich and Falatau, we know their quality. We just need big games from them. Um, and then in the uh, English back row, Lewis Ludlam, Jack Willis, Alex Dombrandt. Alex Dombrandt's club form is not replicating at test level. Uh, and he needs to make a big statement. Um, but obviously, Lewis Ledlam and Jack Willis. Jack Willis was outstanding against Italy last weekend. Um, not last weekend, the weekend before. So, yeah, it's a pretty solid unit. I think that's going to be a pretty fiery contest uh, between those six players. Uh, in the halfbacks, uh, really surprising. Uh, Gareth Anscombe out injured. Um at fly half, Gatland has gone with Owen Williams, uh, who has shown some really good form at Cardiff. 
Uh, but I don't know. He's pretty untested at this level and for a game of this kind of pressure. Uh, Thomas Williams is alongside him at scrum half. Jack Van Portfleet and Owen Farrell as well for England. Again, that's kind of an untried, untested combination. Those guys don't have too much game time together. So interesting to see how that gets on. In many ways, I almost would have dropped Farrell, put in Marcus Smith. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my opinion. And then in the center is really interesting. Wales have gone with two 20-year-olds with very little experience on the test, uh, test arena. Uh, Mason Grady gets his debut. And uh, Joe Hawkins, um, you know, uh, is also, um, you know, relatively young and inexperienced. He has got a couple of caps for Wales, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, not exactly a lot. Sorry, Owen Williams, I said at fly half for Cardiff. He's actually um, an Ospreys player. And yeah, his form at Ospreys has been really good, uh, certainly in the Heineken Cup. So we shall see. But yeah, those two untested centers, very young, 20-year-olds. Mason Grady is a gigantic human being. Uh, be interesting to see how he gets on. But uh, you can be sure that uh, Ollie Lawrence is going to run at those two all day from England. And Henry Slade, uh, whose form is 50-50. Brilliant. One minute, a disaster the next. Big game needed from him. And then in the back three, uh, you have Lee Halfpenny, which is an interesting call if he stays foot. We know what he can bring, but, you know, is he going to be one of these last-minute substitutions that, you know, how many times has he been in the starting 15 and then the last minute and pulled out? We shall see. Josh Adams and Louis Rees Samet. Obviously, Samet bringing some real speed and form from the Premiership at Gloucester. Anthony Watson makes a return from England. Max Malin's performances get rewarded. Again, he gets a start, and I think that's justified. And obviously, Freddie Stewart uh, looking pretty good there uh, at 15. So that's it uh, for for England and Wales. Pretty good bench. Uh, Alex Mitchell and Henry Arundel and Marcus Smith. Those are probably the big talking points, along with the return of Courtney Laws. Um, Mitchell and Arundel really brought some spark uh, to England's attack against Italy. Interesting to see if they can do the same again there. So, yeah, I'm thinking a very tight game. I'm thinking England to win by two points, but we shall see. It's definitely one you don't want to miss. And then uh, probably, in my view, the biggest game of the weekend, France-Scotland. Scotland really has to win this game to, um, you know, say that they're back on the map. And so far, you know, they're sitting second on the log. And, you know, prove their their title uh, contender credentials. Um, but it's a tough one. Uh, you know, France will be smarting from that loss to Ireland. And also France need to develop some consistent form, which they have yet to do in this championship. And is this the game that they do it in? Is this the game that Scotland positive start to the Six Nations uh, starts to unravel and they go back to form of sort of fading out of the tournament with a whimper. So we shall see. Uh, my money is on France to win it uh, by six, but uh, it's going to be tight, I think, and it's going to be a thrilling game. The weather looks good. Can't wait for this one. Uh, great front row, with the exception of Mohamed Huas uh, in the props for France, I think, um, alongside Julian Marchand and Cyril Bai, but Huas, I think, can be a bit of a penalty machine. Uh, Scotland stay the same with Pierre Schoeman, George Turner, and Xander Fagerson. Uh, good 
seconds rows for both sides, Richie Gray, Grant Gilchrist, Thibaut Flamont, and Paul Williamson for France. Uh, back row, interesting change. Luke Crosby out, Hamish Watson in for Scotland. Jamie Ritchie and Matt Fagerson's outstanding form being rewarded by another start. Uh, but Hamish Watson, you know, on and off from injury. Interesting to see how he gets on. Um, especially up against Anthony Jalange, who has been a superstar for France. Olivon needs a big game, I think, as does Gregory Albert. Both those two have been a little bit quiet for France, and France really need them to step up to the plate. Uh, then in the fly halves, Roman Intimac, I think, has been really quiet and unimpressive uh, for France. So far, the Six Nations, uh, I agree with a lot of people who think that Matthew Jalibert should have got the start. Maybe this is uh, Coach Fabian Gelty's last say chance to say to him look you got to step up to the plate or otherwise Shelly Bear is going to get your shirt uh I would have liked to see Shelly Bear start for this game if I was the French coach uh because I think this one's going to be tight uh Antoine Dupont again he's been brilliant but I think with you know he's again struggling a little bit the Six Nations but for Scotland Ben White Finn Russell on fire no question at all uh, and then in the backs, Ethan Dumortier and Damien Pinot. Dumortier's uh, introduction to Test Rugby so far has been spectacular. Damien Pinot is amazing. Um, but then so have uh, Duan van der Merver and Kyle Steyn. They've been outstanding for Scotland. Good centers, Sione Tupeloto, Hugh Jones for Scotland. That really is working, both on attack and in defense. Interestingly enough that Chris Harris gets no look in uh, for this game at all. Uh, Gail Fiku and Yoram Moifana. Again, I think uh, Fiku's on top, but uh, Moifana needs a big game. And then Ramos at, at fullback and Stuart Hogg. And I think both of those guys need big games. Uh, Ramos and Hogg have not been the best they could be right now. Uh, and then I think in the uh, substitutes, it's pretty good um, for France, Baptiste Quillot uh, for uh, scrum half replacement and Jalibert. Interesting enough, Ali Price uh, gets brought into the squad for this one uh, as the scrum half replacement. Be interesting to see if he they use him. So yeah, uh, like I say, shame to not see uh, Luke Crosby anywhere in the mix. I thought he's been really good for Scotland, but uh, Jack Dempsey is is the chosen one uh, for this game. So, yeah, we shall see. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. It's definitely not one you're going to want to miss. And in my opinion, despite all the emotional backdrop of the Wales-England game, I think that uh, the France-Scotland one is going to be the most edge-of-your-seat edge thrilling rugby and in terms of a spectacle. But like I said, not to detract from, um, from England-Wales, which I think will be an exciting game. So that's it. Also, this weekend on Sunday, uh, it's MLR, and it's the Toronto Arrows' second game up against Rugby New York, who are this year's MLR defending champions. I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to really say anything much about the Arrows' first game and that loss uh, to Rugby Atlanta. Uh, it wasn't the greatest game from the Arrows. They really weren't in the game until really the last 10 minutes when they did make a spirited comeback. Uh but up to that point, they did look kind of poor. Uh, their set-piece work was poor. Their lineouts were just uh, really, really poor. And that was, that's was that been a theme that's been consistent with them for the last two years. I have to admit, looking at the lineup, I'm very disappointed that this year we don't have Ronan Foley, uh, the Irish import at number eight. He's now with Seattle Seawolves. 
Uh, I thought he lent a real edge to uh, the Arrows last year. But uh, anyway, so yeah, overall, uh, I think this is a pretty tough assignment against Rugby New York. I wish them well, but uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them three games to get settled in and uh, start making some judgments from there. But uh, yeah, definitely their set piece work. Uh, I think they really need to get uh, get some traction there. And then obviously as well, we got uh, Super Rugby kicking off uh, this weekend with the majority of the games being sort of local derbies in either Australia or New Zealand. But two games I'm looking forward to are the uh, competition between the two Pacific Island sides, Fiji and Drua and Moana Pacifica. That's on today. And then tomorrow uh, we have uh, to look forward to in terms of trans-Tasman competition, we have... Uh, the Reds uh, hosting New Zealand's Hurricanes in Brisbane. So that should be good. I'm looking forward to that one. So yeah, lots of rugby to look forward to. Uh, obviously, the, the the main focus being on the Six Nations. Uh, but, you know, all of it, Super Rugby, MLR, uh, Six Nations is all available for us to watch here. Six Nations is Premier Sports Asia Dazen. Uh, Super Rugby is Premier Sports Asia and TSN Bonus. And MLR is uh, the Rugby Network and TSN. Uh, this, the game this weekend is actually being shown on TSN 4. So that's a bit of a bonus. So I'm going to sign off now uh, as I literally have a flight to get ready for. So uh, take care, everyone. Enjoy what should be a thrilling weekend across the board and the various competitions of uh, uh, rugby action. Also some interesting URC action down in uh, South Africa with... Uh, Glasgow taking on the Lions and Ulster taking on the Sharks. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. Take care. Enjoy the rugby and we shall talk to you soon.